Turn to the scriptures with me, please, to Second Corinthians chapter five. May find we'll do uh, an, an introduction tonight. This will be like a study, <clears throat> and want to speak on the new creation, the new creation. Second Corinthians chapter five. Let your eye run down to one verse just for the moment. Verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Let's read it one more time. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the sense of your presence. Thank you for every heart that's been opened by your spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you're here to bless and to encourage, yet here to convict and to convince. And we ask you in Jesus' name that you would touch my lips of clay, touch this frail vessel to speak your wonderful praise. Take your word and inscribe it in every heart and upon every mind will you imprint it. And will you glorify the name which is above every other name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask it for his sake and for his glory. Amen. The new creation, our one verse, our reading tonight says, Therefore, if any man, the generic term is man or woman, if any man be in Christ, he, she, is a new creature, can be translated creation. Let's stay with creature. As a new creature, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The man and the woman who are in Christ. Very important that we note that. The man and the woman who are in Christ, they are termed as a new creature. This tells me that it stands the reason there are those who are not in Christ. If there are those who are in Christ. And those in Christ are termed as, classed as, or called a new creature. And because they're a new creature, they find that their entire world of experiences change. When a man and a woman get saved... When they are in Christ, when they come in full repentance, with a heart looking to the cross and trusting in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to cleanse them from all their sin. And on him and his work and on nothing else, solely on Christ, then Christ enters them as they enter him. And he becomes within them their God and they become within him his children, his people. 
Here we have the apostle telling us there are those who are in Christ are called new creatures. A new creation has started, has happened. And we tend to think that when a man and a woman come to the foot of the cross or whatever way the terminology we can put upon it, that it's simple. We come, we go to church, we go to our place of work, we go to our families, we come again on a Sunday morning or evening or both or whatever, maybe a midweek meeting. And that's part of it. That's part of it. But the new creature is far more than that. And what the Lord is doing, he is making, he is molding, he is fashioning, and he is forming that man and that woman who are in Christ. He's fashioning them as a new creature for what will be the new creation. The whole and the complete salvation and redemption. The whole and complete new creation at the end of the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ at his second coming. The words spring to mind of that wonderful hymn of Charles Wesley. Finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless may we be. Let us see our whole salvation perfectly secured by thee. Change from glory into glory, Till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love and praise. Christian, could I say this to you tonight? You are a work in progress. Before the Father, we spoke of it this morning, when you're in Christ, you are righteous. You are justified now as you sit in your seat. But God is doing a work in you. It is more than a Sunday meeting. It is a relationship. It is a lifestyle. It is a change of desire. People have come and said, if I got saved, I couldn't keep it. And you're right, you couldn't keep it. God keeps you. It's his grace that keeps you. You're kept by his power through faith. You cannot keep this wonderful walk of salvation. God keeps you. You say, if I got saved tonight, I couldn't do the things that Christians do. I couldn't live the life that Christians live. I want to tell you something. There's not one of us can live the life that a Christian is supposed to live, but by the grace and power of God also. We all feel the Lord every single day, but his grace abounds over our sin. That's how we continue on with our walk with him. But we learn to fellowship We learn to commune. We learn to come together with him. And we develop, we cultivate that walk with the Lord. Can I ask you something? Maybe you're a parent or maybe even a grandparent or whatever. If you had a son or a daughter and they're learning to walk or before that they're crawling. And they're in their helpless state and they need fed, they need watered, they need cleaned. They need their nappies changed as we would say. Do you not do it as a loving parent? When they walk around the furniture and they fall more than they are on their feet, they're on their backside, do you not pick them up when they fall? Do you not understand they're learning to walk? Do you not understand you pick them up that they may take farther steps every time they're set back upon their feet again? Then they walk further, then they learn to walk without the aid of the furniture 
And then they learn to walk on their own. And then they learn to run. Such is a Christian life. When the new creature is born again of the spirit. They're born spiritual babies. Who need fed and cleansed. They need help. They need encouraged. They need changed. They, they, they make a mess of things at many, many times. But they have a loving heavenly father. Who helps them. Who forgives them. And when they're learning to walk and they're walking, as it were, around the spiritual furniture of life, falling upon, as it were, the rear end more times than they're on their feet, does God not lift you back up again? Does God not set you on your feet and in his grace say, go on, my child, my son and my daughter, until you learn to walk further? Until you learn to walk stronger? Until you learn to walk better? Until you learn to run? And such it is with the man and the woman who are in Christ. Already you belong to him for you're in Christ. Already you are a new creature. You're new all over in the sight and in the eyes of God. But you're learning every day. You are a new creature when you come to Christ and you're redeemed with the blood of Jesus. You're a new creature and you are being fashioned and formed every day of your blessed walk in this life with Christ. You're being fashioned and formed for the new creation. Whenever that millennium reign is over, and we go into the aeons of time, and we will be with Christ forever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever. Amen. I ask you, Christian, as a new creature in Christ, how is your walk with him? Maybe you're not in Christ, then you're lost. Maybe you're not in Christ, then you're not saved as we would term it. Maybe you're not in Christ. You've never come and repented at the cross. You've never trusted in the blood of Jesus. You've never received that wonderful sense of the forgiveness of sin. Maybe you're not in Christ and you're outside of Christ. And tonight the call is to come by faith, trust in the Lord Jesus. Be a new creature who is being prepared for the new creation. As I said, this is just an introduction tonight. We're going to look at that which God places in us. That which God gives to you and prepares you for new things that lie ahead and for eternity. The man and the woman, they find who are in Christ, they find their whole world experience has changed. Who knew, brother, who knew, sister, that when you came to Christ, there was such a spiritual sphere and a spiritual realm there was something more than this deadness of the flesh that you lived in and the pleasures of the flesh and, and the pride of life, the lust of the eye and the things that we held so, so dear and desired and looked to and ran after, searched for and chased for. Who knew that there was a spiritual realm? Who knew there was a, a, a life that was more abundant? Who knew that there was this opening into the heavenlies that you and I could walk in? Christian, have you walked in this realm of the Spirit? Have you walked in this area of communion and fellowship with Almighty God? This is part of the new creature and the new creation. To walk as Adam walked in the cool of the day. And as Father Adam fell 
so we fell. And as Father Adam sinned, his sin became our sin. And that paradise which Adam was in was lost. But the new creation coming is paradise regained in the Lord Jesus Christ. That wonderful, blessed kingdom of God that is coming. That wonderful time when we're given the the, the whole rundown of it at the end of the book of Revelation chapters 20, 21, 22. We see the King of kings and the Lord of lords coming to rule and reign. And we see the the devil, that old serpent, is bound for a thousand years. And those of us who are new creatures in this life, those of us who are new creatures and have died in Christ, those of us who are new creatures and are alive and serving at the coming of Jesus, we will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye when Christ returns. And when Christ returns, we will rule and reign with him for a thousand years. And after that, there will be a new creation. And those of us who are a new creature have received a new body to live in a new creation. That's what we'll look at over the next week or two tonight and God willing next week. Listen to what Isaiah the prophet says in Isaiah 43 verses 18 and 19. Some of this has already taken a a localized application and fulfillment. But it's also uh, one that has already happened now and one that we look forward to. Listen to what it says, verse 18. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Verse 19, Behold, I will do a new thing, now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. There's a literal application here for the diaspora, the diaspora of Israel. Their captivities and their scatterings to the west. When God would bring them through wilderness places, But yet God had a plan and a purpose. And that plan and purpose would be fulfilled and would come to pass. When a new thing would spring forth. The new thing is the new covenant and the new birth that is in our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I will spring it forth. I will bring it to pass, he says. Tells me that you and I cannot be saved of our own merit. You and I cannot be saved of anything that we can add or anything we have done. But our salvation is of the Lord. Completely, solely and totally. So there is a literal application where God would make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. The spiritual application and the prophetic one is that he speaks about the wonderful new birth that comes when Christ would die on the cross of Calvary to save you and me. Menzies' great commentary says about this, about the old passing away and the new coming. Listen to what it says. What is old is passed away. See, a new world has come. Let me say it again. What is old is passed away. See, 
a new world is come. There's a new world coming. I'm not speaking about the new world order now. I'm speaking about the real new world order when Christ returns and destroys what's known as the new world order. When he comes and sets up his marvelous, wonderful kingdom upon the earth. Listen to Jameson, Fawcett and Brown in their commentary. In verse 19, that is Isaiah 43 verse 19. Speaking on where the Lord says, I will do a new thing. It gives the idea the Lord is saying, I will do something unprecedented in its wonderful character. I want to say it again. I want you to get it into you. The Lord saying, I will do a new thing. He is saying, I will do something unprecedented in its wonderful character. In other words, God says, I will do something for you who are scattered. But I will do something in the earth that is unprecedented in the heavens and the earth. I will do something precedented that the character of it is like nothing that's ever been seen, done, nor experienced before. So what is God saying to us when he says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Well, Isaiah in chapter 42 gives us a little taster and a clue again. Verse 9. Behold, the former things are come to pass. Notice what the Lord's saying here. And he's even saying to Israel, remember you came out of Egypt. Remember your deliverance. Remember the redemption I brought you out with a strong hand. Do you remember the Red Sea that opened and you passed through five abreast on dry land all day and all night? Do you remember I held back the Egyptians and then when they followed, the seas closed in on them? Do you remember, Israel, when I tore down the walls of Jericho before you? When I defeated your enemies? When I cast out the devil from the midst of you? Do you remember that? He says, well, that's all bygone day now. He says, I'm going to do something even greater. I'm going to do something bigger. I'm going to do something for you. Those things are past. You and I cannot live on yesterday's experiences alone. We need fresh manna every day. We need fresh experience with God. We need a fresh rima, that quickened word of God to our hearts, that you and I will live on that daily bread and live on that new revealed experience. Listen to what he says. Behold, the former things are come to pass. What does Paul say in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17? He says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So see how Paul is drawing from the Old Testament here to reveal it out again. And he says, for behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. No, God says, I'm speaking to you now. There's going to be something that is unprecedented happening in your life. There's going to be something and the character of it, the nature of it, the glory of it is wonderful that it's never been seen nor done before. Even greater and even bigger and even bolder and even better than all the experiences you've had with God before. And brothers and sisters in Christ, let me tell you, God is going 
to do something new in your life. God is, as I said, making you and fashioning you and forming you. And he's making you that you will be an overcomer in the body of Christ. A new creature, a new creation from the inside to the out. The man and the woman who are in Christ, they find their world experiences change. The desires that they had for the world leave them. And the desires for the kingdom of God come to them. The things that they loved before and held dear, they now cast behind them. And the things that they look forward to in the kingdom of God and all the Lord Jesus Christ they seek for and they chase after the glories of the Lord Jesus here we have the Lord saying I'm doing a new thing and it's going to spring forth the kingdom of God is at hand I believe with all my heart Christ is returning soon I don't know the day I don't know the date I don't know the hour But this I know, the word of God says that he's coming and he is coming. This creation is getting closer. This new creation is at hand. God had and God has and God is speaking to us, has spoken to us and has fulfilled his word. He has kept his covenants. He has performed his promises. He now tells us of what he will do as he reveals his plan his will and his counsel and his word to us. He, speaking of the coming of the Messiah here, he says a new thing will happen that is unprecedented. You and I in the new covenant can I look back and see what he meant and said, Lord, you were speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. You were speaking of the Christ of God. This unprecedented thing that you would do, this thing that the earth has never seen before, nor even the very heavens, has come to pass in Jesus. Everything in our Christian experience, everything in our spiritual life, Everything to do with eternity and all the things of the kingdom of God and of all creation and the new heavens and the new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness all points forward and all points back to one central place. It's called the hill called Golgotha where Christ bore our sin and died on the cross for us. It was unprecedented. And it's wonderful in its character. And God himself came. The almighty God of Israel. He came to die for us. God himself taking on humanity. God himself being clothed in flesh. God himself veiling his deity. Yet manifesting his divinity. Listen to what the book of Hebrews says in chapter 2 and verse 16. For verily... He, that is the Lord Jesus, for verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. I want to read it again. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. In other words, Almighty God himself. He became flesh and he could have came as a theophany. A theophany is that angelic appearance, that that spiritual being who stood with Adam in the cool of the day and walked and talked and had fellowship and communion. God speaking himself and thinking himself forth as the word, as the logos of God. And he walks with Adam in the cool of the day. 
has fellowship with him. Adam sinned and it was broken. God in his grace and mercy came. He spoke to Noah. And he came and he spoke to Moses. Burning bush. And he was a pillar of fire. The pillar of cloud. He came and he hovered over the altar. He came in his glory between the cherubims upon the mercy seat of the ark of the covenant. He's the one who came to Abraham. He and two angelic beings, like three men, came to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for their sin. And he as a theophany came and sat and ate and talked with Father Abraham. And he's saying, he says, Abraham, we're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham has a discourse with him. If there be 50 righteous in the city, will you not destroy it? Right down to five. There couldn't be found five righteous in that city. This is the theophany. He came as the Lord, captain of the Lord's host. He shows himself to Joshua. He shows himself to Gideon. He shows himself all through the scriptures. He shows himself to Manoah as the angel of the Lord. And he's not an angel. He was almighty God of theophany. The Bible says here, God came not as a theophany. He didn't come as the nature of an angel. God stepped into a body of flesh, was born as a baby at Bethlehem. He grew up to be a man. He took upon him the nature or the seed of Abraham. He became one of Abraham's seed. Now that's grace. That is grace. A great stoop was had. That he would come, the seed of men. Not of theophany as before, but he came in full humanity as never before. This is something unprecedented. And it was wonderful in its character. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The new creature in a new environment the new creature in a new world and the new creature in a new standing before God I don't mean this in a flippant or sarcastic or an insulting way but if you're not in Christ if I'm a new creature in new standing then you're an old creature if you're out of Christ in the old standing old creature Christ wants to make you new tonight Christ wants to make you new when you're new in Christ all those things that you know were wrong and all those places where you've been that were wrong and all the ways your feet have taken you no matter what it's been to wrong the very nature of yourself where you cannot help yourself but do wrong. Even the things you're unaware of that you've done wrong. The very nature of sin in our very mortal members. That nature of Adam is within you. But if you're in Christ, he makes you new. You can leave here new tonight. You can leave here new but I'm not a bad person. 
But I haven't got any sin because I've done well, people would say. The Bible tells us in Romans 3 and verse 23, For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. All of us, me included, all of us. The Bible tells us that there is none righteous, no, not one. There's not one person on this planet who has lived on this planet, bar the Lord Jesus himself, is righteous. That is in our own merit. But the new creature in Christ is righteous because Christ is their Savior. Notice this. The man and the woman who desire to be in God's heaven, the kingdom of God, this new creation, the man and the woman who desire to be there, that man and woman, they must be in Christ. If you could be there by doing good works, then you just need to work harder. And if you could be there by going to church, then you could become a reclusive monk. You could get the flagellate out and flagellate yourself until the blood runs out of your shoulders and your back. If you want to go somewhere and wear a hairy shirt and hide in a cave, and I'm doing a zone to the Lord, then you go ahead and do that. But your works are as filthy rags before the Lord. Doesn't cost that. God himself stepped into human flesh. Took not upon him the nature of angels but the seed of Abraham. That I may be redeemed. And you may be redeemed. That you would be a new creature. Because the old won't fit into the new. And the new certainly should never fit into the old. The Christian should live a life that is a life that is separated, sanctified, and godly. For your newness should never be tarnished by the world's oldness. Now therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. This new creature is a new standing before God. Here's the thing, if you're not in Christ, then how are you standing? In other words, if you stood before God tonight, how's your standing before God? In other words, to stand before God in your sin. If the Lord was to take me tonight, how would I stand? And I'm boasting in Christ, I will stand redeemed. I'll stand justified. I will stand righteous in his sight. Are you perfect? Far from it. But I'm trusting in Jesus. And he is perfect. He's perfect. The new creature is a new standing. And you must be a new standing. Listen, God himself came as we said. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 19. Just two simple verses uh, away from our reading this evening. To wit that God was, notice, in Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the word, world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Notice God was in Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ was almighty God as we said. God was in that human flesh. 
God was that little baby born at Bethlehem. That little boy at 12 in the temple was Almighty God. That man at 30 years of age being baptized by John in the River Jordan, he was Almighty God. That man who walked the shores of Galilee, he was Almighty God. That man who walked into Pilate's judgment hall, trailed in by Roman soldiers, was Almighty God. And that man who walked down the Via Dolorosa, the sorrowful way in Jerusalem, to Calvary's cross, he was Almighty God. He's Almighty God. He's not a bit of God or a portion of God or a section of God or a percentage of God. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And he hung and died on the cross for you. He hung and bled and died on the cross to make you a new creature in him. And if you can be saved any other way, friend, Christ need not have died God need not have come. But there's no other way but through the finished work on the cross of Calvary by the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the world, reconciling you and I unto himself, not imputing, not counting up. We looked at one of these words earlier today. Not looking at all my sin and all the sins I don't know and all the things I'm ashamed of and all the things I wouldn't like anyone to know and adding them all up and bringing them to me and all saying, here's what you own, son. I'm placing it on your shoulders. Now you're bound for hell. That's what I deserved. That's what you deserve. That's what we deserve. But God says, no. I'm coming myself, Ken. I'm stepping into your world. The old sin-cursed, sinful world. I'm stepping into the world and I'm becoming a baby and I'm going to grow up as a man in order that I may understand you, son. And then I'll bleed and die for you. That's what he done. And he reconciled me back to himself. Christ is our meeting place, our great Shiloh, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. God was in Christ. He didn't put my sin on me. He put them on his son. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. But Yahweh hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He came and bore my sin and suffering and sickness and sorrow in order that I may become a new creature and enter into his new creation. God was in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 tells us, Now therefore, if any man be in Christ. Now if I'm in Christ, and God is in Christ, you know what that tells me? I and the Lord are one spirit. Now think about it. If God is in Christ reconciling me unto himself, 
And if I am in Christ because I've received him as my Lord and Savior, then the Lord and I are one spirit. The Holy Ghost is in me. And the same Holy Ghost is the Holy Ghost of heaven. The Holy Ghost is in you. Marvelous, wonderful mysteries that are unprecedented and are wonderful in their character. How more wonderful can it be that God himself would come, become flesh and go to a cross to die for a sin-ridden, hell-deserving, guilty sinner like me? Now that's unprecedented and it's wonderful in its character. We are reconciled back to God. We are restored back to his favor. That's what it means. We are restored back to his favor. Think that God loved me and you so much. He came to redeem us and restore us back into favor. We are restored back to his favor because Jesus satisfied the claims of justice that were against us. What were those claims? We'll do this and we'll close. That's our introduction, by the way, for next week's. What were the claims against us? Colossians, please, chapter four, 2 and verse 14. If you want to turn to it with me, please. Colossians, chapter 2. And let's read verse 14. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, we'll read... Verse 12 onward, giving thanks unto the Father which has made us to meet, made us meet to partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. See the term in the Greek New Testament there, the kingdom of his dear Son. You know what it reads? He has taken us, it gives the idea of taking someone from one country and putting him or, or patronizing, not patronizing, repatriating them into another. In other words, I was covered in darkness. I was under the kingdom of Satan. I was under the rule of sin. I was in slavery to the things of the world. I was in complete darkness and God stepped in with his marvelous light and he has lifted me and carried me into the kingdom of his dear son. Or as the Greek says, he has taken me from the power, the exousia, that which has authority and license and rule and privilege over the sinner. That's the power over you. And he breaks the chains that bind you. And he vanquished all the claims of the devil when he died on the cross. And he shone his glorious gospel, the light of his word into our lives. And he lifted us and he brings us, he takes us, he carries us into the kingdom of his dear son or into the kingdom of the son of his love. Wow. Just think, he's carrying me every day. I'm failing you, Lord, and I'm weak, Lord, and I'm dragged, Lord, and I'm weary, Lord. I know, Lord, I don't know what's next. He says, it's all right, son, it's all right, daughter. I'm translating you. I'm carrying you every day 
You're in the kingdom of the son of my love. And when you're in the kingdom of the son of his love, you know what that means? You become the son of his love. You become the daughter of his love. Let's read this verse and we'll close. Colossians chapter 2, please. Let your eye run down. I think I was giving you the wrong verses there, but anyhow, that was the other ones I had. Colossians 2, let your eye run down to verse 14. I was giving you Colossians 1 there, forgive me, I had it written down here. Blotting out, here is what God had against us. You ready? Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which is contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled all principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. There was something against you. There was something against me. The word here, blotting, and bear with me for a few minutes and we'll be finished, is the word escalafo, blotting. Escalafo means to wash every part. To wash every part. It means to wipe off or to wipe away already. It means to totally obliterate something to totally obliterate something we're told God blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us let me give you a verse to show you the strength of this word that means blotting exalapho Revelation 21 and verse 4 shows us a snippet the chapter shows us a snippet of the coming kingdom of God that Christ is fashioning and forming you who are in Christ. That you are a new creature. And this is part of the new creation. Revelation 21. You can read it later when you go home. I have more to say on this next week. Notice what it says. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. Notice, for the former things are passed away. What does Paul say? Second Corinthians 5.17 Old things are passed away. What does Isaiah say? Remember not the former things of old, for they're passed away. Here he's now pointing us to a prophetic kingdom to come. That those who are in Christ will enter. The word here, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, for there shall be neither death, neither sorrow or crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. The words for wipe away is the exact same word here for blotting. It's the word ex alafo. In other words, in that kingdom, when we enter God's heaven, if you're saved, if you're blood washed, if you're blood bought, when you and I enter God's heaven, there'll be no more tears. In fact, that means he obliterates, totally annihilates 
everything that causes you sorrow or pain. Be no tears in his kingdom. Be no sorrowing in his kingdom. There's no death in his kingdom, no separation from our loved ones in his kingdom. None of that. Gives the idea God himself will say, wipe your tears away. And the blessing of God makes it rich. And there's no more tears, not one. There's no more hurts, not one. There's no more pain, not even a little. There's no more death. You'll never lose a loved one again. You'll be with your loved ones. God totally obliterates all the works of the devil. And he obliterates all that was lost in Adam. And in the paradise or the garden of Eden. He obliterates all of that. How? Through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the fashioning and forming of a man to be conformed to the image of his son. The woman to be conformed to the image of his son. We enter into that kingdom. We will enter in explicable joy. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Full of glory. Full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the half hath never yet been told, said the hymn writer. The word handwriting, carographon, it gives the idea of someone who has written it with their own hand. As though you have written your signature under a bill, yes, this is owed, or yes, you owe me this. It gives the idea of an autograph, a bill of debt, a bond. And we're told that God himself, when Christ died on the cross, he looked at our sin, he measured us against his holiness and his law and the Ten Commandments. And he says, this is where Ken Davidson is. Wow, son, you have fallen far short of my glory. There's none righteous, no, not one. But when I received Christ and I came into Christ as my Savior, he obliterates all of that. His handwriting that was against me is no more. The man and woman who are in Christ, they are a new creature. God does it all. God makes you new. God does new things within you. You are a new creature to be part of the new creation that is regained in Christ after the fall of Father Adam. Can I ask you something tonight? Are you saved? Are you saved? If you're not a new creature of Christ, this one came flesh for you to die for you. Are you in Christ? Are you saved? God bless his word to our hearts. And that's an introduction for next week. We'll show the new things that God places before us and within us. And where are the new things he's bringing us to? God bless us all. It's a rough night. Once you get away home, let's sing something. Please, Gary. And we'll, we'll let you get away on. We're here Tuesday night. If you want to come to the, the prayer meeting. And we'd love to see you coming. And of course, everything else is on. It's a busy week again for everyone else.